this is Tegan Goes Vegan. I'm your host, Tegan Karuna. This is episode 34, and I am talking this week with Tamar Mason, who is the Caribbean vegan. She lives in Barbados and has made it her mission to, among other things, veganize traditional Caribbean food. And, and so we talk a lot about what it's like to be vegan in Barbados and in the Caribbean kind of generally. Um, and, and we get towards the end, we get into some really interesting food justice issues of all of the tropical fruits and vegetables that I would think living here in Philadelphia would be overabundant in the Caribbean actually all get shipped out to places like Philadelphia and it's really hard to find some of the, some of the traditional foods that you know I would think would be there and and so Tamar talks about how she had to do recipe development in Toronto of all places because she could find the produce that she needed there and she couldn't find it back at home which is just mind-boggling that is not what I expected to hear so so I mean we talk about a ton of other stuff she has this amazing looking vegan fish that that she has been working on creating so that way she can bring vegan fish to her friends and family and say hey here's this food that you love here it is doesn't involve killing animals tastes delicious so we talk about that we talk about all of her other projects and her books and she has a book coming out on November 29th lots of vegan recipes and really what it comes down to for for Tamar is getting to people through their taste buds so it's all about creating the foods that people want to eat and making them so that they just so happen to be vegan that way there isn't the oh it doesn't taste the same oh I can't have this thing that I that I've grown up eating and that I want to eat now here it is. It's just a little bit different in that nobody died for it and it tastes amazing. And here you go. You're not losing any of your culture. You're not losing any of your favorite flavors. Here's a great meal for you. So we had a really lovely conversation and I'm super excited for her book and to make recipes from her blog because they look amazing. A quick note before we get started, I am going to be doing a live show at the Philadelphia Podcast Festival, which I happen to be a co-founder and co-organizer of. And my show is on August 28th at 3 p.m. and it is at Tattooed Mom on South Street in Philadelphia. We are going to be doing a battle, a food battle. (laughs) I am... I'm I'm going to have a panel of people, and actually just as I was sitting here, I got an email confirming one of my panelists is going to be Carmela Lani from V Marks the Spot, which if you are here in Philadelphia, you definitely know her. She is part of the dynamic duo who has put on the Vegan Macdown, the the Philly Vegan Pop Flea Market, and the upcoming Philly Vegan Homecoming. So she's going to be on the panel and and a couple other people. Things are still in the works. I'll let you know when I know who else is going to be there. And we are going to compare different food, different vegan foods, and try to determine which one's the best one. So what I have kind of in mind now is we'll do 
part part of the show will be about cheeses and we'll look at all these we'll taste all these different vegan cheeses and then we'll decide which one is the best one and then we'll do the same thing with ice cream or you know it might change i gotta see what i have access to and then if you're here in the live show you will be able to also taste all that food and we will have an audience vote as well that will count as part of what we determine to be the best vegan cheese or vegan ice cream. Tattooed Mom also has a great vegan menu, so we'll probably be sampling some food from their vegan menu. And if you're able to come out to the show, the show is free, so you should definitely get some great vegan food and delicious drinks and just enjoy the cool atmosphere at Tattooed Mom. So if you're gonna come, let me know. Shoot me an email, tegangoesvegan at gmail.com, or send me a Facebook message, just let me know that you're going to be there because I definitely want to meet you and say hi. So without further ado, here she is, the Caribbean vegan, Tamar Mason. Tamar, when did you become vegan? I became vegan in 2006. I was working as a um, full microbiologist at this small plant in Barbados and I used to work there every summer and I was studying microbiology and my boss he he saw that I had this you know this affinity for cooking so he used to put me in charge of all of the projects that they had to do for the year so one time he gave me this um this task to do these pork pies I spent all day making these pies, like, like about 60 variations of the pies, and we had to taste them all. And I was just so disgusted by the taste. But the thing is, I always dabble in veganism from a young age, because I went vegan when I was 13 years old at secondary school. So veganism was always something that was um, there in my life. But just facing all that meat and being in a plant that pr produced meat, it just really started to get me thinking. And it wasn't even a dietary change. It was like an ethical change. I'm like, why am I eating these animals? So afterwards, I went home and um, I, I, I took home some of the pies to eat. And it was then, it was I can remember it clearly. It was around after 8 o'clock. I was still a student at university. And I told my mom, hey, I'm going vegan. And she was like, what are you going to eat tomorrow for breakfast? That was the big question. <laughs> it's like, it was like, it wasn't anything else. It was just like, what is going to happen tomorrow for breakfast? Like, if that's like the founding food, you know, our, our dish of the day. And I'm like, you know what? I'm going to get through this. So I went back to work and I told my boss, hey, I'm vegan. Just like, like that, a casual conversation. And he was like, what happened to the pork pies I gave you last night? You know? So, <laughs> and you were like, that's what did it. Thanks yeah, a lot. Yeah, that's what did it for me. Thanks. So it was finished there. And the thing is, my father, um, he he was starting to like, like read up on a lot of things like health and wellness. And I told him, hey, I'm going vegan and you can come on this journey with me. And to me, it wasn't really a journey. It was, I mean, that was it. Um, and since then, and has been almost 10 years, um, he's vegan too, and he has never went back. So we have a, a vegan household. I just moved back to Barbados Watch about a couple of months ago, and um, it's it's a vegan household. I don't have to deal with, you know, going home and fighting with parents and explaining my dietary restrictions because the household is vegan. 
that's that's yeah. really cool and it's amazing that you were able to kind of like bring your dad along with you from the very beginning yeah, yeah from the very beginning he did lose a lot of friends because he used to throw all these big parties with food but eventually people started to warm up to it and and now they like call him for advice you know on veganism and you know it, it it worked out but it wasn't easy in the beginning years even for me going back to university and facing my friends and being vegan you get this silly question oh you used to eat meat before but you used to do a lot we used to do a lot of things before but we don't <laughs> do it now you know so it's like I, I it's like this this universal question no matter where you go that you used to do this but so why do i have to do it now i'm not doing it anymore so it 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 was good too but back then in barbados um um, in 2006, it it was like, like veganism was still like not like mainstream. I think it is now because I can say that I'm vegan everywhere and people just know what it is. They don't ask me what it mm-hmm. is. So we have we I think we went through that transition say from 2010 to 2016. Since then in the Caribbean and they are responding to um, this this new lifestyle change because of tourism and what's not. That, that's really, that's a, a very cool way. Like it, it, you don't hear often that tourism is like a huge part of a cultural change, but it makes a lot of sense, right? It, it, I would imagine that tourism is one of the main industries in Barbados. And so if you have a new influx of people who are asking for, you know, some kind of accommodation, it's going to start to, you know, get into people's minds. Yeah, it will. And, um, um, there are lots of islands in the Caribbean that that do cater to um, um, like this new ecotourism and stuff like that. And there are islands that are more lush and they're more in it's um, in their natural state. Like say like Dominica, they're very into ecotourism. So when you go to the um, to that island, you're going to find vegan options. But everywhere is responding because you know it's mainstream now. It's like the the tide is changing finally. So all that talk, all those recipes we've been making for the last ten years, they are starting to like, like, like win over people. And so, what was it like? Like you mentioned that your dad lost friends and kind of had to change his party throwing, yeah. Uh, yeah. his whole thing. Yeah. And what was that like? Like, did you did you both experience some like pushback from people? Yes, we did. We did, especially for Christmas and um and Chris, um for Christmas in the Caribbean. It's, it's centered around ham and turkey and those kind of meats and stuff like that. And and the first Christmas, I remember being vegan. I was depressed because those the aromas were not there anymore. And those aromas were synonymous to the holidays. And, and, and I remember me and my dad, we made like black bean stew and rice. And we were just still looking at each other blankly. You know, like, <laughs> is this it? You know? And, and and I was pretty new to the like the whole cooking thing, um, uh, uh, cooking vegan, and the whole reason why Caribbean vegan came about in 2010 is because I wanted to taste all of those memories, but I wanted them vegan. So it's we we did have a lot of pushbacks, especially for family picnics, because my father is an excellent cook. I would even say he's better than I am, <laughs> and um, yeah, he is. And you know, people are looking forward to certain things every year. And, and they and they 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 only now start to listen. You know why? 
social media more people have oh. facebook more people are on the computer and they're reading these and they're constantly bombarded with articles and what's not so it's it's it, it is it is something that is um is easy and is meat a really big part of um like all festivals and, and, and like your mom's or not even festivals just meals in general like your mom's question of you know, what are you going to eat for breakfast kind of implies that there were like, there was like meat and eggs and dairy, like a big yeah, part of it. it. Yeah, it was, it was, it was involved. And, um, meat for most big celebrations, it, it, it's the same as in the U.S. here mm-hmm. in the Caribbean. But I have to say now, Barbados, since I returned home for seven months, it has really responded to veganism. It's so vegan friendly. I can find a vegan option at every restaurant I go to and it says vegan option. It doesn't even say vegetarian option. It says vegan option. <laughs> that's awesome. Yeah, that's, that's crazy. Really I'm like, I, wow. <laughs> yeah. And do you find like in restaurants, is it like traditional Barbadian food or is it, um, you know, like something from you know, some other kind, you know, like a stir fry or something, you know, something that is, has yeah. like outside influences. No, no, um, it would be traditional Caribbean food and they would try to, to, to make it vegan. They might still be doing things like with TDP and stuff like that. That's kind of old school vegan, you know, but at least they're doing it and, you know, they responded to it, but it's, it's like, it's, it's Caribbean food. That's so, that's really amazing. Like to be yeah, able because- to get the food that you grew up eating, but have it all be cruelty free is pretty incredible. Exactly, and 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 there and there are lots of health food shops here. I mean, we could have some more, but the thing is, in the Caribbean, I will say this: to win over the West Indian population when it comes to cruelty free and that kind of rhetoric. It's you have to get them through their taste buds and then you can start to introduce the rhetoric because you're going to have a fight right there with religion and and, 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 and ethics. So that's a that's something that even I went to a birthday party um, on Saturday and I didn't eat anything. And people were like staring at me and like, are you vegan? Like a real one? Like, <laughs> that's not like some endangered species. <laughs> And, you know, I was like, yeah, I'm vegan. And then this this one person, he started to talk about uh, um, about God and, um, and, 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 and what was said in the Bible as it relates to eating. So then, so there, enough, you have a, a fight because um, a lot of the Caribbean population is very religious. So they're going to be following these rules and you have to try to, 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 to interpret that to them. And it's difficult. Sometimes I, I, I will call it a losing battle. Um, so my, my approach is always good food that they wouldn't miss the meat and that kind of stuff. And I don't even like to label it. It's just good food. And it's, um, it's, it's just, it's challenging. It's challenging when I have to explain to people that I don't use leather. I don't wear leather. It's, I don't know what to do. (laughs) So what is the, the part about religion is that, you know, people kind of use the parts of the Bible that talk about eating right. meat as as exactly. their as their reference point and right. their jumping off point um and the, and the, and the thing is i think that's their safe that's their safe place to go to because maybe a lot of people are intimidated by not eating meat that's their comfort zone so if you have to bring something that is outside of their comfort zone they're going to use that as a as a way to to fight it 
and um, um, the Caribbean population, uh, um, if you look at how the Caribbean governments are separated, there, I would say this, that there's no separation of the church and the state. Mm. So everything there is, it's, it's, it's a very, I would say gray area. There's no separation. So you have a, a very religious population that you're dealing with. But there, we're not only, um, not really fighting with, with religion, but we're not only um, talking about religion, but we're just talking about culture because you don't, um, culture is very important for us in the region. Um, if you have to bring vegan food and it's like a stir fry or something like that and present it to somebody, yeah, it's nice, it's different, but people want to feel the taste. They, they want to have the taste of home. So that is also a challenge there too because it's not like if we're in this big multicultural um, society like Toronto or New York. We are in Barbados, we are in a Caribbean island, and, 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 and everything, everything from the time the year begins, it is set out that you're going to do this on this day and this on this day. It, it hasn't changed. So that's what you're fighting against, I think. It sounds like there's like a really strong cultural identity and yeah. that animal products are part of that. Yes. Um, 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 another animal products to a, a, a lesser extent fish. Fish is very, very important in Caribbean cuisine. And um, that's something that I tend to focus on when I am developing vegan um, meals. And there's this thing that I'm coming out with in my new book and also on my blog next week is to show them. I don't know if you know this fruit. It's called, it's called guanabana in, in, um, in North America, but mm-hmm. it's also a soursop. And you can use this green soursop. And when you slice it, and season it, you you can bread it and fry it, and it tastes exactly and looks exactly like a piece of fish. So what? this, what? yes, it's so crazy. It's I, I like if you go on like I'm gonna post it in the next couple of days. It's like white, it's flaky. You know, like how jackfruit makes like pulled pork, mm-hmm. that kind of sour salt makes fish. All right, I'm I'm not gonna lie to you. <laughs> I'm looking this up right now on my phone as we speak because you can't I'm... find it you i could not find it i could not find it when i started to like people kept telling me tamar why don't you make sour salt fish and i was like what's that and they said you have to use green sour salt the first time i did it it didn't come out right but you have to slice it and take out the seeds of course because the green sour salt basically has no taste it's a it's like a blank palate mm-hmm. and but it, it has all of that um that fleshiness and that flakiness that a fish has it's so weird how like um a, a fruit could like turn into like a plant like you know like like a meat matter it's so weird but what i do is soak it in some salt and then i i wash it off and i season it with my traditional caribbean seasons and then i fry it like i, like, I batter it and fry it it's totally like a piece of fish so that is going to kind of revolutionize if people take note <laughs> i'm just saying <laughs> like i don't know if it's going to be me because i haven't seen it posted anywhere else but I hope that people start to take note and it goes as, as crazy as jackfruit. So you are yeah. the first to hear. Oh. <laughs> you are the first to hear about this. And um, maybe eventually we'll be like, we'll remember the day when we were talking about this. Yeah, mark yeah. the day. Mark the day down. Yeah. yeah. Trademark. <laughs> trademark the Caribbean <laughs> vegan. It's yes. all you. That's really, that, that's really cool because you're able to like, get the texture of a food that you know that people want to 
to eat. Yeah. They and want you're, fish. A- you're able to, to give it the brininess that, that people are looking for with fish and cook yeah. it, batter and fry it just the way everybody loves to eat fish. And mm-hmm. it's a piece of fruit instead. <laughs> That's so amazing. Yeah, it's a piece of fruit that just ha- it, it tastes like a nice piece of fish. And it just take me back. It took me right back to my fish. Because I, I love fish. And I had to give that up. That was the hardest thing for me to mm-hmm. give up. And when I hear people talk about giving up stuff, they said, I have a problem with fish. I must have fish. So I, I, I tried to answer all those fishy problems. <laughs> with- <laughs> I try to answer all those problems by making fish like foods and you will see lots of things like fish tacos and that kind of stuff in my book but they're not with tofu or something that doesn't have that texture they're all I, I always try to to get that texture and that taste right because I'm a trained food scientist right so you have the actual technical knowledge to yes. figure this kind of stuff out yeah, but the the, the sour salt was easy. Nature gave that to me. <laughs> you know, I didn't have the texture. It was just, the texture is just there waiting for us to explore. I, I you know, I haven't, I have never tried the jackfruit in my life. Like seriously. So I've only had it once, and it was in a restaurant. And it's you know, I haven't had it not because I've been avoiding it, but it just hasn't presented itself as an option. You know, right. it's really, it was really good. I had it in like a crab cake type form. Okay, um, okay. You know, where you get kind of, you want that like stringy flakiness as well. Yeah. Um, yeah. But the thing about jackfruit is it looks like pulled pork or, you know, it looks like that kind of like stringy protein, but the texture, yeah. the texture is not quite there. I know, but the, this sour sop, it's the there. texture is there. And, and, and there's this kind of like stickiness that you will get when, like when you fry a piece of fish stick, it's there too. It's like, mm. if, 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 if a plant version of fish. So when you're, I'm going to send you a picture. I'm going to send you a picture at the end of this chat. Please do. I'm really intrigued. I got to find a place to find soursop around here. And you have to find it green. It has to be hard and green. It can't be like going into ripeness so you can make a punch or something with it. It has to be green. Yeah, that's like jackfruit. It has to be, it has to be the unripe kind, not the ripe kind. Yeah. You're going to see, I, I, I bet you a year from now, sour saltfish is going to be the thing. <laughs> all right. Well, I hope you make all of the money from it, from the new fad. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Like a cronuts or something like that. <laughs> oh my gosh, cronuts. I actually tried making cronuts once when they were really popular. Yeah. How yeah. did that go? It actually went pretty well. Um, I also have a, a food background, so I was able oh, to kind great. of, yeah, this was before I went vegan though, so... Um, you know, there was a lot of butter involved, but I could just do it now with like a vegan butter, and yeah, it would be I also good. There's the now that it's so crazy. Yeah. You know, I have been experimenting a lot with that, and um, there was this cake. I'm sorry, I'm just I'm just a big foodie. No, hey, no, I love talking about food. There is this cake that I have in the book, and it's from the French West Indies because I used to live. Well, I'm actually French too, um, and um, I used to live there for many years. And there's this cake that the, um, women sell on the beach. It's called um, Lover's Torment in English, and and basically it's a a, a pâte brisée en français. It's a it's a it's a it's a short crust pastry, and then there's something like Nutella on the bottom, and then there's a sponge cake inside mm. of this pastry. So it's a cake tart almost. And I was so happy with my results from the chickpea brine. I, I'm just so amazed with how vegan like how vegan food went from smelly TVP. 
to like aquafava and making mm-hmm. meringues and all this cool stuff. It's like I'm just watching. I was I was watching this thing for like ten years grow, and I'm I'm so happy to be a part of it as well. And you're really like making particularly Caribbean food really accessible. Yeah, I am. Uh, but p- I, sometimes I used to fight with this identity because I'm also I also cook other things. So, but you know what? I'm going to just claim what I do and that's it. But I do cook other foods like French food because I've lived in France. So it's like, yeah, I'm Caribbean. I used to like hate people calling me Caribbean vegan mm. because it's like, I can do other stuff. But you know what? I'm really enjoying getting Caribbean food on the map because at the end of the day, when you really look at it, Caribbean food, it's still kind of of, of, a, um, of a mystery. It's, like, it's just reduced to jerk, jerk mm-hmm. and things but it's not that um every island is different um and 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 you learn this like when i like, on my blog on, in my book and everything because i try to teach people that hey every island gives you something different like the food that we get in trinidad is not the same as the one we get in barbados so it's almost like an education and it's and as you said i'm making it accessible to people and actually re-educating them on west indian cuisine and i mean i can say as you know, an American who cares a lot about food. I don't know very much about Caribbean cuisine. Yeah, because it's a mystery. It's, yeah. it, it has a mystery and it has not been mainstream yet. I think the reason is that it has just been overpopulated. And I don't have anything against jerk. I eat jerk seasoning every day because I just prefer it because it's more spicier than the seasoning that I get in Barbados, which is called Barbadian seasoning or Bajan seasoning. It has been just populated with jerk and grilling and pineapples and those things. So I try to show you, hey, we don't only do that. We do things with pumpkin. We do, you know, there's other things other than jerk. So you're not going to see only jerk in my book. You're going to see a whole host of other cool things. And what I did in the new version of Caribbean Vegan was something that I never imagined that I would do. Is that I took traditional dishes and made them more modern. So instead of having rice and peas, you have a recipe for rice and peas in the book, but you also have a, a recipe for fried rice and pea balls. So you have it like those Italian um, fried rice balls. You mm-hmm. know, I don't know. I can't remember what Ar- they're called. Oh, Ar- yeah, Aranci- oh, Aranciano. Yeah, something like that. Arancini or something. Yes, like that. that's it. Yes. So I made them into these balls, and then instead of a of a of a kind of classic aioli, I made a coconut aioli. So here you have a, a, a traditional rice and peas that is well seasoned in an Italian style ball, and then you have like a coconut aioli. So I I always try to look at ways to make the food that is traditionally Caribbean, like Jamaican aki. Everybody knows aki and saltfish. I didn't do that. I made an aki bisque. So you you use no aki no like a like a nice velvet texture, and you, you try to look at the vegetable and try to make it into something that is more beautiful or even different. And th- that is really amazing because it's not only going to appeal to people who live in the Caribbean, but it's going to appeal to people who like experimenting with their food. Exactly. And and that's what we're going for this year, um, this year with Caribbean Vegan. Because when I brought out Caribbean Vegan, it was I was like I wouldn't say I wasn't mature as a chef, but it was just my kind of it was almost like a love letter to traditional food. 
And as I grew and I traveled all over the world, I was like, you know what? I'm going to make this food even better. Now I'm going to use sorrel. Sorrel is something that we drink in the Caribbean for Christmas. Now, yeah, that's fun. But let's, you know what? Let's make that into a sponge sugar and we put them on some beignets. So it's like I take Caribbean, um, I take Caribbean ingredients and I make them and I put them on modern dishes. So that's the new direction because I think that people are over rice and peas. They're over certain um, dishes and they're ready now to take um, food experimentation as it, as, as it appeals to veganism to another level. Mm-hmm. And you also seem to have the unique perspective of having lived in France and then I think also in Toronto. Is that correct? Yes, I did. Yes. Yes. You have like all of these influences on your cooking. <laughs> Yes, from a young age, I, I, I all, from the time I was three years old, you know what I told my parents hmm. on Sundays? Because on Sundays, everybody that does this, rice and peas, chicken, coleslaw, and some other thing. And I told them at this age, are you tired of making this every day, every Sunday? And I told them that at a young age, because from a young age, I always wanted difference. I always wanted a, a change. But people seem okay to have the same thing every Sunday. And then one day we stopped. So we never have the same thing every Sunday now as vegans. So they eventually listen to me. But from a young age, I've, I've always been just ready for a change. Mm-hmm. And that's kind of crazy for a three-year-old to tell their parents that. <laughs> I mean, hey, you knew you were getting bored. <laughs> I was. I was bored. And I, I'm always looking for the next best thing. I'm always looking at a vegetable that we have here and trying to make it into something else. For instance, there's lots, I think, let me let me go back to the beginning. I think that um, like okay, I, I know you grew up you know in a in a tropical environment as well, but there's a lot of things that the um, that the region and the stakeholders are not doing, and it's and it's very sad to me. One thing is that we have a lot of what we call ground provisions like cassava or yucca mm-hmm. and breadfruit. We have dashin and edos and those kind of starchy vegetables. Um, a lot of those starchy vegetables can create flour and they can also create flour-like products that are gluten-free. Now, they are doing um, flour, but it's on a small scale. What I've done is that I've created, and I'm going to Toronto with this at the festival, I created four different types of pasta using these Caribbean um, vegetables. So I'm going to be making them and showing people how to make them I'm also going to have them package as well. Oh, no. Actually, you just cut out. So you said that you have made these pastas and... Oh, I told you I've made a lot of pastas. I've been experimenting with all of these vegetables and these ground... Or I call them ground provisions. And I've been using them to make fresh pastas. So now you are going to taste pastas with a difference. There's no wheat pasta anymore you're going to be tasting breadfruit pasta that has a kind of eggy almost favorite um like um, buttery taste the cassava pasta is more wholesome so that's something i think that the caribbean needs to look at because here we are there's a popular well there, there um there's a, um, a world of people that are looking for the next best thing they want nutritious food you know quinoa quinoa has its time on the soapbox Everything has its time on the soapbox. But I think it's time that these vegetables that we have down here get their time on the soapbox. And people are going to love them because 
the taste is different, is unique. It actually does taste even better than regular pasta. So I'm going to be demoing that at the Toronto Vegetarian Festival in September. So I'm going to show them how to make these Caribbean style pastas from scratch. So you're going to see how to hide them and everything and dry them and that kind of thing. So that's, I'm really excited to, um, to do that. And I'm also going to be giving away um, free bags of pasta that I've made myself as well. That is so cool. Yeah, I always give away when I go there because it's not just me getting up on stage and doing a demo and then people are going along on their business. I like to leave a good taste in people's mouths. Literally. I get yes, literally. <laughs> yes, I do. How did you decide to co- like come up with these pastas and then like four different types? Like they clearly all have to have like their own adaptations, you know? Like- right, and I, yeah, they are. And, and, and one that is really nice, I'm going to send you the picture as well, is moringa pasta. And moringa has been, you know, you, you've been hearing it, it died, you heard it, it died. But the thing is, we have lots of moringa trees here in the Caribbean, and moringa is extremely nutritious. And what moringa does is actually it boosts the nutritional value of something that has a low nutritional value. So if you have a plate of rice, white rice, you can just add a quarter cup of moringa to it, and then you have a really nutritious meal. So it's I I call it the um it actually kind of like like boosts a meal basically. Mm. So I added that to the pasta as well. So you have something that looks like spinach pasta, but it's full of moringa. It's high in protein, and it's just it has like a lot of minerals and nutrients in it that regular pasta would not have as you only have to cook it for like three minutes because it's fresh pasta you don't lose a lot of the nutritional value as well that's really like i love the idea of making it look like spinach pasta but also providing like protein yes it gives protein as well so i i am looking and and a lot of these um vegetables are superfoods that have not been discovered yet so I have, we have to wait until somebody says it's a superfood, but there are already superfoods here and they have um, a, a high nutritional value and it, they, they can be used in alternative flowers and alternative flower-like products. So you're going to be seeing a lot of that. And um, I, I'm, I'm just really, I, 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 I am a born food scientist and, I, and my dream is actually to have you know, to create these things. I have a factory making all of these creations. And I, and I really like to work. People that are vegan don't like the, um, a lot of them don't, um, they always say, oh, I don't like my meat. I don't like this meat and stuff like that. You know, I want more wholesome food. But at the end of the day, a lot of us still have that omnivorous palate. We chose to be vegan because we don't want to, um, to, to contribute to the suffering of animals. But the hunger or the palate for something nice and, and, and rich and, and, and meaty is still there. So I I just like basically um, try to do that in my cooking and also my developing and stuff like that. And, and that's a business I want to get into, you know, after these books are out and what's not. I just want to just focus on building that kind of enterprises around myself. Yeah, I think you're right. I think that for a lot of people, I mean, probably in reality, most people, it's really about can you satisfy your, you know, your desires for particular types of food and, mm-hmm, you know, yeah. that omnivorous palate, as you said. And 
And we need people to, you know, people who have the kind of scientific background that you have and also the love of food and creative yeah. energy to figure out how we can do that better. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And, and, and I think we have done a good job. Um, ice cream actually tastes good now. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and <Yeah. laughs> we have something that is cheese now, and the cheese is phenomenal. It went from like, you know, like how you have those graphs at school that go from zero to, to 100. Mm-hmm. I think the cheese did that for us. <laughs> and yeah. it did. I was, I, you're lucky, but I was in the world where vegan cheese tastes bitter, but you had to smile and say it was good. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I was in that world, but we, we, we're doing so well. We, and I just, I'm excited to see what next is going to happen. What next is going to happen is that sour fish. We know that yes, for sure. Clearly. <laughs> but, you're going to, you're uh, going to break sour fish wide open and it's just, yeah. you're going to take the internet by storm. It's going to be the new aquafaba, the new I, jackfruit. I hope, I hope, I hope. I'm going to make some tomorrow so that the shot looks really, you know, full porny. So, <laughs> so, <laughs> so once it does look like that, I can, I can market it because a picture is worth a thousand words and people feed off of, of images. So I always have to have my full photography on fleek. <laughs> so, <laughs> <laughs> yes. So uh, you know, I'm you know we just just look out for new things. I I think that um the new vegans, I you know I used to, I, I was like kind of like kind of skeptical of the new veganism because there was this new veganism centered around yoga, and this whole thing, and a lot of people have lost the message, and um, it's true, a lot of people have lost them. If you go on Instagram and um you see vegans, and if you really a lot of people have lost this the the real essence of veganism and the and the moral of it is that we don't want to contribute to um to animal suffering and there's a part of veganism that has gotten really selfish um i'll say this there's a part that got has gotten really selfish where there's this hunger for superfoods so i would see a bowl and and this is just me this is just me tegan mm-hmm. i would see a bowl of like say of a a smoothie in a bowl, like a bowl, and they will have it covered with with um superfoods. But there, there's this almost to me, there's this ethical implication of superfoods because sometimes the superfoods have come from a place where the people themselves of the country cannot eat these things. So it, it's to me, I am torn between. Satisfying the world with superfoods, but then there's this, that there's what we don't see happening elsewhere. You get me? I absolutely get you. (laughs) You can't see me, but I'm nodding my head and I'm like, yes, yes. Yes. And this is, I mean, it's something that comes up on, on, in my conversations with people a lot. Like the being able to be vegan, it puts you in a place of privilege. It means that you have choices and that you, you know, you have choices and you can decide for yourself that you want to do this. And I think you're bringing a really important point to that, which is a lot of times the food that we eat, even though it's vegan, doesn't necessarily mean it's just. And doesn't, vegan, you know. It's a, there is a sad, sad story behind where those foods are coming from. In the Caribbean, if certain things are, are, are exploited, for instance, if they start to be a demand for more bread for or whatever, it can bring industry, 
but there's a lot of other things that can follow because sometimes you have to like plant one crop and then you put another crop out out that was supp like supporting other people so it's like it's it's a double-edged sword <laughs> it's mm -hmm. like it's, it's really difficult to say that so yes we want to satisfy the world's hunger for superfood and yes people are posting these beautiful pictures on instagram but there's this kind of almost an overabundance look i can put two cups of goji berries over here <laughs> another one cup of chia seeds that i have hemp can you believe i have hemp and all three of those are the same i know there's some flat seeds over here and that's an organic kind and then there's maca no it's the black maca <laughs> so it's like it's like okay cool down cool down yes we know you have a stock pantry thank you <laughs> Yeah, there definitely can be kind of that like consumerist element. And and I think that's kind of, you know, to some extent that that's like within the greater culture, at least in the U.S., like we are extremely consumerist. And so I cringe. There's no way you can eat one cup of chia seeds. Come on. OK, first you of all, just can want to make food uh, porn, but don't do that. Just show you the food can be beautiful, but you don't have to show that overabundance. And, you, and then they have it spilling on the table. Oh, my goodness. Oh, the spilling. <laughs> Who wants to see yeah. a spilled smoothie? Who wants to see, like, stuff dripping down a glass? It's not me. They like that. They like it, but they want to show, like, okay, I can then, I, can, I have these GSEs here, but I'm not, I want to put another cup on the table just to show that it's easy, accessible, but it hurts. It hurts me. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I mean, and, like, we know that in the world there are many many people who don't have enough and it is kind of it's a yes. little excessive um mm -hmm. you know it, I, I understand the wanting to make a beautiful photo i really do particularly when we're talking I, about making veganism appealing to people but mm -hmm. you know a you're not eating a cup of chia seeds if you did your stomach would explode <laughs> i know you're not but you just want to get the good food so i urge food bloggers to stop that and to show some kind of restraint when they're shooting. And I have to even do that for myself because I, I'm, I'm here in Barbados and your seeds are expensive. I could afford it, but somebody next door to me might not be able to afford it. So I, I and then sometimes if I put certain things on the internet, people are like, oh, it's so expensive. And I know it's hurting them because they want to get it, but the money is not there. It's easy to buy a can of corned beef that is totally subsidized by the government here because canned corned beef is subsidized. And um, certain things are subsidized by the government here. Um, there was one point where we had an issue. There was one point where we had an issue in Barbados with the basket of goods that was being tax-free. And then when you looked at the basket of goods, me, my dad brought it to me. You know, he's vegan. And he was like, there's nothing we can eat. There was like cheese, white rice, and a lot of things that we didn't eat. And then people argued. And then they added tofu. Like if that was some kind of like, okay, I did you now. I gave you the tofu. <laughs> <laughs> so what are you going to do with the rest of it? I know. So like it was subsidized, but still. Hmm. And, 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 and in terms of, of our uh, our culture and stuff like that, I think a lot of the farmers in the region, I'm speaking for the farmers, they can be in better positions, but they're not getting enough support. So what's happening is that I'll tell you this joke. It's not a joke. It's a sad joke. Oh no! <laughs> yeah. Just tell me now. Should I laugh? And I don't know. It's a sad joke. Oh no! <laughs> okay, <laughs> tell it, and I'll just have a normal reaction to it. Fine. In Toronto, I go to Toronto every summer, and 
I can get more Caribbean food there in Toronto than I can in the Caribbean. I can get guavas. I can't. I can't go to the supermarket in, um, in the Caribbean and pick up guavas. I have to go and hunt in a market, and it's always seasonal. But I can get everything in Toronto. I could actually write a Caribbean cookbook in Toronto with ease than here. Here, I'm still waiting for avocados because what? They're not in season. And I know that you can go out and buy avocados right now. So I'm writing a smoothie book. That comes out in like three weeks. And I still don't have my avocado for my avocado and mint smoothie mm. because we don't have any on the island. So I don't understand. <laughs> I don't understand how Canada has every single root that I can think of, every single fruit that I can think of in the Caribbean. And I'm here. And I, and I go to a lot of islands and I can't get all of them at the same time. And they're getting it at the same time. Isn't that weird? It is. It is. <laughs> it is. It really and when is. I was living in St. Martin, it was even worse. You couldn't even find one Caribbean fruit on that island because they import everything. And when you think that you're going to the Caribbean to have these tropical fruits and what's not, it was not there. I remember I was working in a hotel as a sous chef. And one of the guests came to me and said, where are the avocados? Where are the guavas? I'm not seeing that. They were seeing apples. Everything was imported. So they were giving people that. But the thing is, a lot of the tour, the, the tourism drives what they're being produced. So a lot of the tourists are coming to eat the same things that they were eating in America. Mm-hmm. So that's what they're going to give them to eat at the all-inclusive hotels. But there were some tourists that just complained, I want a piece of coconut in the morning. I want a fresh piece of coconut to eat with my, you know, to have with my breakfast. And it was not there. It, it was, there's, it's like we're, you're in the Caribbean, but the food that you're getting is not Caribbean. It's just all imported from elsewhere. All imported. They, they, and they like to, they think, but the people are, are consuming this. The tourists are consuming the fact that they have an Italian restaurant then and they're going to go and eat Italian. There's some people that even leave the um, America and come to the Caribbean to eat McDonald's. That's crazy. <laughs> that is inappropriate. It is crazy, but that is what that it, it depends on what type of tourist that you are attracting. Um Barbados attracts mostly tourists from um um England. So you have more of a upscale tourism. And those people are more open to, to eating local cuisine. But then other islands will um, uh, attract a more cheaper tourism. So then they want to have cheap drinks, cheap cakes, cheap everything. Mm-hmm. So it's like, you know, that, that's what's happening. And the government is not really responding to, um, to farmers, as I said. So they're not really getting all the help that they should. So we don't really, like, if you get fruits, it has to be like from a, like a family's fruit tree or something there's no farmer that is farming really tropical fruits right now and, so and, and, and you yeah what's in the grocery store for produce everything from america all the the shiny waxy apples oh, the yeah worst, it's crazy the worst apples the i know the waxy ones. yeah <laughs> the shiny big ones that are so big and plump mm-hmm. and, and you're getting them but i cannot look up the, the supermarkets here are not even stocking um, local fruits. I would say fruits. For vegetables, they do stock local vegetables. I have to say, um, like the eggplants and stuff we grow here. But the fruits is a, always a big problem to me, and it's sad. It's really sad. And 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 I and now I I feel to go to Toronto to write another book because I I can't write that here. I have to be waiting till the season turns for avocado. When is that going to happen? I don't know. 
I have to call the Minister of Agriculture or something to find out. <laughs> <laughs> Alternatively, I can find avocados, but they're imported, which are the Haas avocados from Mexico. And that's what I see in some of the supermarkets because we they respond to the season. But when they do have avocados in stock, you will see them in the um, um in the supermarket. But we do have our farmers markets here in the um uh, in the Caribbean. But I just think that a lot of the supermarkets need to start um stocking like a like, um like a farmers market and supporting more local farmers. They are doing it now, but on a small scale. I'm just hoping for the day that I can walk in to the supermarket and buy guavas like. I can buy a sh- a shiny apple. I I mean to me it makes more sense. Like I, it's kind of baffling to me. It must just be yes. that that it makes people more money to export everything, mm-hmm, right? Mm-hmm. Like that that has to be it. Um, yeah, and then I and then you have the, the bananas that are so perfect. How could you import bananas? There's so many bananas here. It's really. I mean, uh, but it, it, it's it's like they they're saying that they don't have enough, and the thing is, people are responding to the consumer needs. They want like these perfect bananas with the perfect yellow skins with mm-hmm. no dots in it, but it's not that. I I don't bother to go into the supermarket anymore. I just go there like to buy like a one item, but I just support the farmers markets, and they have been great. And you can. Um, farm relationships with the farmers and you know when stuff is coming you go early in the morning at six o'clock and you can get a lot of things that you would not find in the supermarkets here and the farmers market scene has grown so big in barbados it's like before a farmers market it was like just this one place but now it's like 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 like, like about over like 40 farmers markets in different parts of the island so the the, the people are basically going back to their roots and and doing it for themselves again so that is something cool. That, but then the markets are not responding. <laughs> well, you know what? It's heartening, though, that the farmers, that, that like there is this movement, you know, that, that people are saying, you know, consumers are saying, we want what grows here. We want the food that we love. And they're supporting the people who are growing that food and making right. that industry kind of like outside of the big, you know, uh, corporation, you know, the corporate yeah. grocery stores, which is awesome. Yeah, and then there's organizations that are farming now and, and giving more support to businesses that are 100%, you know, Barbadian and and you get more help and then you get um you get exposure for um for um for your company because you made everything on the island with the ingredients from the island. So that that is something that encourages now people to be um to make stuff and now people are making their own craft beer and it it's just getting kind of like exciting like it's it's in it's in its infancy, and I have worked with some companies like even a wine company. They're doing wines with tropical fruits, and you weren't seeing that oh. before. Yes, it was so cool. They're making it from passion fruit, tamarind, gooseberries, everything tamarind, from the island. Tamarind wine? That yes, sounds so is. good. I have a bottle right here. Look at that. Oh, stop it! <laughs> it's kind of tart and sweet at the same time, and they're all and and they all finish so beautifully. And then there's a cherry wine that we get from the um um the Arcerola cherry um the Acerola cherry and it's it's, it's gorgeous. So people are making you no know, people people have gone back to their roots. So it's not all bad. <laughs> no, that's it. Actually, sounds kind of hopeful to me. It is. It's very hopeful. And and then I can imagine if like five years from now we're going to see a big change in um um in how people consume food and how people are looking at food because people now are looking at 
what ingredients are made of. And thank goodness for Facebook. I mean, Facebook. I, I have a problem with Facebook, but thank goodness for <laughs> Facebook in terms of, of getting this information accessible, you know? Yeah, I mean, in the next couple of years, everyone is just going to be eating soursop fish and tamarind wine, and we'll all just be really <laughs> happy all the time. <laughs> I know, I know, I know, I know. I can't wait for that day to happen, and... Um... I'm just excited that um, there are people that turn into vegan. I never even asked. I wanted to ask you how you went vegan. Oh, I'll give you the quick story. Um, I It was kind of a slow process with an overnight behavior change. So I like um, knew for a while. I, I tried being vegetarian and then I stopped. And then I knew for a while that it like wasn't really working for me. I knew that there was like an ethical problem. And so um, basically one day I said, enough. I'm not doing this anymore and I just did a th- I did a 30-day challenge and I didn't know that that was like a thing in the vegan community I just was like I'm gonna see if I can do this for the month see what happens mm-hmm. um, right. and I was kind of inspired I I adopted a cat not long before that and I never had a pet before mm. and I realized like oh my gosh I love her so much I could I never eat her or hurt her mm-hmm. and so that was kind of like all of this was happening in my head at once, and then I just never went back. Okay, cool. Yeah, yeah. So yeah. it's kind of the quick, the quick version. I mean, there's of course there's a you know there's a million other reasons that you know every time I talk about it, I'm like, oh, and there was this thing too. Oh, and there was this thing too. And it's because you know you as you're starting to get your mind oriented in that direction, mm-hmm. everything starts to kind of point yeah. you to what is the right thing to do. Okay, good, yeah. good. So Tamar, tell me where people can find you and your work and your books and connect with you. Oh, okay. <laughs> Let's get to that part. Yeah. Okay. Plug well, plug your stuff. Okay, here we go. So people can find me on TamarMason.com, www.tamartaymason.com. That's my major website. You can follow me on Instagram at The Real Caribbean Vegan. And also my books. Oh my gosh, I have so many books. I, I <laughs> let me. My books, Caribbean Vegan Second Edition is coming out on November 29th. So we're going to have a fall release. It's going to be the time when everything gets a little chilly, and you think about that nice warm place. The cover, it's a nice beach scene, but it's kind of like a, a 70s beach scene where that that sky is kind of aquamarine. So um, and I talked about what I, um, I have in the book. It's a, a full-colored book, and there are um, over 40 pictures all over the book, and you're going to be getting around 200 recipes. Basically, it's a combo of the recipes from the first Caribbean vegan, and now the new Caribbean vegan, which is the new me, that has traveled all over the world and decided to make Caribbean cooking more modern. So you have the best of both worlds in one book, traditional and modern, and that comes out worldwide um on the 29th and um it's going to be on amazon barnes and noble books a million um power books and workman publishing and my publishers are the experiment publishing in new york city thank you thank you thank you and um i also did a lot of in um individual projects um a lot um, a lot of personal projects my first one is that i also bit natural hair products because I, I i have natural hair and i like to like i I am into plants and that kind of stuff. So I created a book called King Alchemy that is on Amazon right now for sale. Um, as we speak, as I, 
as soon as I finish with you, I'm going to finish off the last seven smoothies for um, that is coming out on July the 24th on was, Amazon. Sorry, what was the name of that one? Caribbean Smoothies. Great. Caribbean Smoothies. That's coming out on November, uh, sorry, on Jul um, July the 24th. And that's going to be on Amazon as a paperback and also an ebook. The King Alchemy, the natural hair book that teaches you how to make all these products for your hair. That is cruelty free. It's out already. And Caribbean Vegan, second edition colored edition is coming out on november the 29th and you can pre-order that right now and so, so you should yes you should pre-order that right <laughs> now so you are in the loop so you could be one of the first to eat sour salt fish <laughs> and, uh, <laughs> and um i'm still i'm working on two novels I, I i always was a novelist in my heart but I never, I'm like a closeted novelist. So I, I'm writing a book about food. I'm, I, I like to write a lot of foodie fiction. And that book is coming out for Christmas. So I'm bringing out two You're little so novels. prolific. I'm so, in, I'm so like in awe of your constant writing. Yes, um, I have to. Like I, I went through a, a, a bad period in my life of a divorce and everything. And I, and I felt like kind of like I lost it. And I felt like I lost myself. And I was basically a spectator to what was going on. And I, and I just found like an inner energy in myself um, seven months ago. And I just turned into like this writing machine all over again. So I went from a one book wonder to a five book wonder in like seven months <laughs> That's amazing. <laughs> well, we'll def I will definitely be checking out your books, and I'm going to be stalking your blog for the fish recipe. I'm going to send you the pictures right now, so yes, you can look at do. the salad. And there's a video. I'll send that to you as well if you have space in your or, or your email. Absolutely. I can send that to you right now, and um, I'll send you some other interesting things. But um, for Caribbean smoothies, I think that's a interesting book because people are into this smoothie craze right now, but. Mm -hmm. Caribbean smoothies is a bit different. It actually highlights a lot of ingredients. They're not hard to find, but it just shows you how a lot of the ingredients can be healing. So there's a section on healing smoothies. And then there's another section on dessert smoothies. So every Caribbean dessert you can think of, I have a smoothie version to it. Oh, my gosh. So that's like, there's a rum cake smoothie as well, yeah. With well, gluten-free rum cake pieces at the top. Oh, that sounds really good. I'm really yes. into that. So, well, thank so, you so much for talking to me. I really appreciate it. It's been so yeah. fun. It was fun. It was fun. And I was scared, but it was the, the, the this is the best interview I had in a long time. Oh, stop it. it. myself. No, not stop it. No, it, it was. <laughs> it was. It was really good. And um, I, I actually feel a little bit more empowered today. I was feeling a little down, but no, after this talk, you know, I'm, I'm ready to make like five more smoothies. Go today. make yeah. those smoothies and then tell me how they are. Yeah, I'm so happy to meet you. And, you I'm know, very happy to meet you. you, too. Tegan Goes Vegan is found at TeganGoesVegan.com, on Twitter, at TeganGoesVegan, on Pinterest, at TeganGoesVegan. The show is produced by Tegan and Nathan Karuna, with music by Amanda D'Amato. If you enjoyed the show, please consider giving it a rating or a review on iTunes. It helps other people find the show more easily. Thank you so much for listening, and I'll be back soon with more great vegan conversations.